The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Paff alongside Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, Toronto's marathon man treks more than 7,000 miles in a single year. Google is finally addressing one of the internet's biggest privacy concerns. Plus, this week in history, the law against flirting. Watch out, Reggie. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. A lot of people take up running or jogging every year, some of them more competitive than others, as many of us are just looking to stay in some semblance of shape. I say that as a runner myself, but one who prefers the treadmill to outdoor pavement. Well, marathon runners are on a whole nother level. And trust me, you have my respect if you partake in just one marathon. But what about the person who competes and completes 242 marathons in a single calendar year? That's exactly what a Toronto man named Ben Popjoy did. Now, I should clarify, Mr. Popjoy ran what are called freestyle marathons, meaning he ran the distance of a marathon, but did so with no set course. He called this venture the, quote, Marathon Earth Challenge, end quote, which took him across North America, South America, Europe, Africa, and Asia, in total visiting 70 countries while running 26.2 miles in each location. I'm sure no one will be surprised to learn that this is a new Guinness World Record for marathons in a single year. At least it will be once officially verified by Guinness. Pop Joy said in a news release, quote, This past year has been mentally and physically taxing, but it's an incredible feeling to achieve this momentous goal of mine and meet incredible people along the way. From trekking in Ulaanbaatar's chilly negative 20 degree temperatures with makeshift winter gear, to enduring extreme levels of humidity in Malta, my year-long earth-spanning adventure has been an unforgettable experience, end quote. Ulaanbaatar, by the way, that's the capital of Mongolia. Now, per CBC News, Popjoy set off on this adventure on New Year's Day last year, running solo freestyle marathons that took place on hills, mountains, and regular streets without a course or official finish line. He said the purpose of the challenge was not to race others, but rather to, quote, transform physical exercise into a creative one and observe our world up close, end quote. American Larry Macon has held the title of the official Guinness record for most marathons completed in one year by a male with 239 marathons finished back in 2012. Pop Joyce submitted his application to Guinness last week course 242 marathons as we previously said but it has yet to be officially assessed so how'd all of this come about well back in august of 2022 pop joy quit his job as an executive creative director at an advertising company as he was craving a change he told cbc radio's metro morning quote The pandemic really showed me the world can be upended in a week. I felt compelled to reprioritize my life on what makes me happy, which is traveling and trekking, end quote. His adventure saw him trek over 11,465 kilometers on foot. That's more than 7,000 miles. Quote, essentially, I have a backpack, 30 pounds with everything that I need, kind of like a human snail, and my pace is kind of like a trot where it's faster than a walk and not a jog. I did pee my pants four times, end quote. Bob Joyce said that in total, the challenge wound up costing him roughly $38,000 U.S. 
Reggie, I know you're never going to do this because I know you well enough. And you know, I'm never going to do this because you know me well enough. But I have to admire the guy for following his dream. And if the pandemic is what it took for him to recognize that, hey, look, one life to live, I'm going to get out here and do it. Good on him, man, because I imagine while this would have been incredibly difficult, it also would have been amazing to see all of these different countries. I was thinking that that I would love to travel to all these places and experience all of them. Well, <laughs> well that's, that's it. He, he spent $38,000 doing this. If someone told me, all you need to do is run 26 miles at each place and we'll pay for it for you, I would still have to say no, because I physically, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Let alone pay $38,000 to do it. I get on a treadmill and that's usually how I warm up before I do any exercises. And I, I can't go very far. I'm not a distance runner. I'm a sprinter, not a distance runner. Now, maybe if I went at his snail's pace, but, you know, he's carrying 30 pounds of weight on his back, right? it sounds like, too. So it's not for me. I respect him for doing it. Definitely not for me. Yeah, the 30 pounds, you're right. That is just, wow, an added variable, an added hurdle to all of this. It makes me wonder... How long did it take him to complete each quote unquote, you know, freestyle marathon? Because if you're trotting and not even at a, a jogging pace, I could take you uh, the bulk of a day. So I'm not sure, you know, do you complete that in one day and then take the next to just rest and eat a pizza or whatever other cuisine of the country that you're staying in has to offer? I, like, I, I think that's how I, I know this because my sister is a marathon runner and when she's done training for all of that, absolutely hit the fridge and pick out whatever you want to eat. Well, he didn't even have a lot of days to sit and relax or rest. You're right. He ran 242 marathons. Right. That means at least 242 days he was running. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I don't I don't know how your body possibly endures that. You'd have to be taking in a lot of carbs, wouldn't you think? I mean, pasta every night just to keep your body where it needs to be to complete this stuff. Even if you're not running fast, that's a lot of strain and stress. Did he actually get to enjoy the landscape? Do you enjoy it more when you're running that distance or less because you're so focused on running that distance? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing I do know is Pop Joy is free to enjoy as many cookies as he possibly wants. And that segues into the next story. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Google's long-term plan to eliminate cookies is finally in effect, with Chrome disabling cookies for 1% of its users. While that may not sound like a lot, that's approximately 30 million people. By year's end, Chrome intends to permanently phase out cookies, well, mostly. Not the chocolate chip variety, Reg. No, not the chocolate chip varieties, the, the internet varieties. All right, The bad joke. less flavorful kind. Bad joke, kind. that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> for privacy advocates, cookies represents the Internet's original sin, serving as a primary tool for tech companies to monitor online behavior. These third-party cookies, created by companies like Google, facilitate targeted ads and extensive tracking across the Internet, which I'm sure we've all experienced. I know I have a lot. Same In fact, here. there was something we were talking about yesterday. I haven't 
thought about it or talked about it for the longest time. I haven't searched it. We were just talking about it, and that ad popped up on my phone. Wait, it, it's you, very do disturbing. You do you have like an Alexa in your home or something that might have overheard you speaking? I don't. I just have a normal phone and a laptop, but it still seems to gather that information. Creepy. In response to concerns over privacy malpractices by tech giants, Google, a major player in online tracking and advertising revenue, announced in 2019 its project to eliminate third-party cookies from Chrome, which is used by around 60% of internet users. Victor Wong, Google's senior director of product management for Privacy Sandbox, said earlier this year, we are making one of the largest changes to how internet works at the time when people, more than ever, are relying on free services and content that the web offer. He added, the mission of Privacy Sandbox team, writ large, is to keep people's activity private across free and open internet, end quote. The first phase of Google's plan happened a few days ago on January 4th, affecting 30 million users with the introduction of tracking protection. Chrome users experience new cookie-less web will encounter a pop-up describing Google's tracking protection plan. The tracking protection feature is denoted by a small eyeball logo in the URL bar, Users can choose to allow specific websites to use cookies, with Chrome offering additional features to disable tracking protection for problematic websites. And as I said, they are mostly disabling cookies. However, Google, recognizing the necessity of ad-based revenue and avoiding antitrust issues, is not completely abandoning user tracking. The Privacy Sandbox project replaces cookies with a more privacy-oriented method. Chrome tracks user activity but stores the data locally on devices, categorizing users into cohorts based on their interest. Advertisers can inquire about a user's cohort without accessing individual browsing behavior, addressing privacy concerns. Hmm. Despite the shift, privacy advocates like Electronic Frontier Foundation or EFF criticize the Privacy Sandbox. In a recent blog post, they said Google and its subsidiary companies have tightened their grips around the throat of internet innovation, all while employing the now familiar tactic of marketing these things as beneficial for users. They also said that Google's privacy sandbox limits tracking, so it's only done by a single powerful party, Chrome itself, who then gets to dole out its learnings to advertisers that are willing to pay. This is just another step in transforming the browser from a user agent to an advertising agent, end quote. The EFF recommends Chrome users install its Privacy Badger browser extension to counter Chrome's new tracking settings. While many advertising companies embrace Google's new tracking tools, some perceive them as an anti-competitive threat. The changes in Chrome, aiming to strike a balance between their user privacy and sustaining an advertising ecosystem, face criticism from both sides of the privacy debate. Victor Wong acknowledges the challenge, stating, We're part of a broader ecosystem. You'll never get all these different groups to fully agree on one strategy. End quote. So at the end of the day, third-party cookies may be on their way out, but Google's privacy sandbox instead introduces a new tracking approach, attempting to navigate the delicate balance between user privacy and the demands of the advertising industry. Hmm. All right. So I have a few thoughts after hearing this. And we should fully disclose, Reggie, during our day jobs, of course, we do work in advertising and have some level of familiarity with how cookies function 
to serve targeted ads to people across the web, more specifically within podcasts. And we have utilized these tools for part of our job as well. Indeed we have. Indeed we have. So I am aware of the benefits as well as the pitfalls to how this all works. And of course, you know, Europe is a, is a drastically different model than the U.S. right now. They have much tighter privacy laws in place than we do here, although based on some of the state laws that have passed in recent months and years for that matter, I think we're trending more towards a Europe-like model within the next couple of years in all likelihood. Now, having said that, I had the same response, even before you pointed this out, that the EFF did in thinking, all right, well, you're still allowing for tracking just on another level. Essentially, you've changed the methodology up a little bit, but it's not like these targeted ads are going away. So it almost feels like a PR or marketing spin to promote, hey, we're really championing privacy here. Um, and maybe they are to a certain extent. Maybe the intentions are good, but I don't know. I, I still think it doesn't necessarily solve the issue and maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but just thinking about how it might be perceived, I don't know that it solves the issue that a lot of people are looking to have solved, which is to just essentially eliminate that. And I also recognize that for a lot of folks, that's not a solution at all, because we all depend upon the revenue, or many of us do, many of these companies, Google included, depend upon the revenue that comes from advertising dollars. Like you, I can see both sides of this. As a user, obviously, I don't like to be tracked. As an advertising side, yeah, I get the benefits of it. And even I can see both sides from like Google here too, that technically you're not just allowing your information to be going everywhere. You are compressing it into one place and then kind of divvying it out. Now they're also going to be taking advantage of that though by selling that information. I will go back to what I said earlier as more and more states implement privacy centric laws for the internet at large. I almost feel like all browsers to some extent are going to come back to be a little less apt to be able to offer some of these more targeted ads that we are so accustomed to seeing these days. Even though EFF is criticizing Google for this, they are also trying to market off it as well by telling people, don't trust them, they're going to be doing this, buy our product to make sure they can't. <laughs> Fair point. So, Fair so point. everybody here is trying to make money still. Then again, aren't we all? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Taking a look at this day in history, you know, in New York is a place that's known for the city that never sleeps. It's also considered one of the free, fun capitals of the world where almost anything goes. Right, However, free, free. I've been to New York. Ain't nothing there for free. You know, free as in you get to express yourself. You know? Okay. All right. Let's just clarify that because I brought some dollars with me when I was in town. However, you didn't get to express yourself much on January 8th, 1902. That's when the New York State Legislature outlawed flirting in public. The law, which technically still exists, prohibited men from turning around on the street and, quote, looking at a woman in that way. <laughs> Offenders could be fined $25. Those that went on to commit a second flirting offense would be ordered to wear a pair of horse blinders 
whenever they stepped out on the streets. That's I like that punishment. That's an interesting one. How is that not cruel and unusual? Isn't that written right into our judicial system that that can't happen? And, and also, it, what constitutes the look? Well, think of that meme when the guy's with his girlfriend and he looks back at the other girl. That's the look. <laughs> you know, no scarlet letter in New York. It's horse blinders. Wow. <laughs> Just hope no cops are around. Of course, one thing leads to another because in New York, adultery is still a crime. A few years later, on September 1st, 1907, Section 255.17 of the state penal law was introduced. It says a person is guilty of adultery when he engages in sexual intercourse with another person at a time when he has a living spouse or the other person has a living spouse. Adultery is a Class B misdemeanor, which is punishable by up to 90 days in jail or a $500 fine. Although that law is rarely enforced, about a dozen people have been charged since the 70s. What? Other questionable laws still on the books in New York, one that says it is illegal for women to be on the street wearing body-hugging clothing, and citizens may not greet each other by putting one's thumb in the nose and wiggling the fingers. Well, of course not. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just that's rude. just shameful. Yeah, shameful <laughs> and rude. Come on. <laughs> First of all, I got to know more about who's actually been charged since the 1970s for this. I mean, if you're a lawyer, wouldn't you go, what about these 50 million other people that did this and weren't taken to task on it? Isn't there precedent here at this point? I'm guessing they were out to get somebody. Maybe like a crime boss or something. Like Al Capone. Oh, we gotta get him on something. Yeah. Gotta get Al Capone on flirting. <laughs> Lock him up. <laughs> Put those horse blinders on him. <laughs> All right, there's other states with weird laws out there. I mean, you can find a bunch of these out there, but here's a few out there that you uh, may not know of. So in Florida, women can be fined for falling asleep under a hairdryer, as can the salon owner. And unmarried women in Florida are breaking the law if they go parachuting on a Sunday. What? I mean, what else is there to do for an unmarried woman in Florida on a Sunday? I don't know. Uh, of course, parachuting is at the top of that list, right? <laughs> By the way, this is all in jest, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't want anyone to misinterpret this. In Indiana, people are not allowed to go to a cinema or theater or ride in a public streetcar if they have eaten garlic less than four <laughs> hours earlier. Can we have something like that for people who get on a plane with leftover fish from someplace <laughs> they, they bought dinner? Well, I'm going to break this out now and let the entire plane have to smell it. Yeah, that's not a bad law. Okay, I see you, Indiana. Or the person who grabs that sub from the airport and it just piles onions on it. So when they open it up in the plane, that's yeah. all you smell. Yeah, right? Oh, God, man, horrible. In Iowa, it is an offense for a kiss to last more than five minutes. Uh, I, that's, <laughs> that's quite long, isn't it? Am I crazy? I don't know. Is, is it a sustained kiss or is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what was the impetus for this? Some... I don't know. I mean, if you take a breath, does that start the clock over again? <laughs> well, I don't that's know. what I'm wondering. And is this making out or is this just a straight kiss? Five minutes is a long time to just be Maybe holding for the you. position. No. <laughs> <laughs> and in Massachusetts, snoring is prohibited unless all bedroom windows are locked shut. Like, okay, that's outrageous. What are you going to do? Uh, you, sir, wake up. Wake up. You're snoring. <laughs> You're going downtown, pal. 
Well, I think all my in-laws would be arrested. <laughs> Lock him up. <laughs> that had to have been set by someone who had to share a hotel room <laughs> with an annoying relative who snored a lot. Like, you know what? I would love to send this guy to jail right now so I could get some sleep. One more final one for you. This one is, might be a little more difficult for some. In Pennsylvania, an old law decrees that no man may purchase alcohol without written consent from his wife. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I mean, do you discuss that the day of the engagement? By the way, honey, I would love to marry you, but you're going to have to buy me some beer when the time is right. I can't imagine going there like uh, you're going to get your medication, but you, you have a note from your wife that says, I can do this. Just, just please. <laughs> I mean, what was stopping these people or these men from like forging notes the same way yes, a exactly. student would? Wow. <laughs> Raymond may buy beer. Signed, Patty. Your penmanship does not look good enough. I'm pretty sure you forged this one, sir. <laughs> Didn't everybody have good penmanship in the early, <laughs> you know, 100 years ago? It was a necessity. I think that's a stereotype. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe the people who could read and write, but how many people could read and write back then? I, I, I don't, I guess I don't know. <laughs> You're screwed if your wife doesn't know how to read or write. Yeah. You can't get permission. <laughs> Just tell the guy behind the counter. Yeah, she said it was cool. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I hope you had fun. I know we did. You can connect with us by emailing us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. He's Marcus Paff. I'm Reggie Rizzo. We'll be back with another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home tomorrow.